1925, Modelo began brewing beer for those who believe in better. A model beer, steeped in the tradition of tireless effort. A rich, Pilsner-style lager for those who wear their heart and heritage on their rolled-up sleeve. Since our first batch to every bottle raised today, we've proved that it doesn't matter where you come from, it matters what you're made of. Modelo Especial, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Said, I think uh, 
late last night or late yesterday afternoon. Um, as time went on and the organization gained more information, um, I think you read our, our first statement, um, but I think as they, we all gained more information, certainly um, as Mark gained more information, I think our, uh, our, our team, official team, met upstairs and, and um, I think we came to the conclusion and, and owner Mark uh, thought it best for the organization um, to, to do that at that particular time. So um, I think there's two separate entities. There's Henry Ruggs, a football player, which uh, is no longer a part of the Raiders. And then uh, Henry Ruggs, a person who is certainly going through um, what he's going through and is going to have to pay the consequences for the actions. John Gruden's resignation and the situation in the locker room has been through a lot. Uh, I know it's only been a day, but how have you seen the group sort of pull back together uh, kind of in these challenging moments and attempt to move Well, I think they're, they're, they're two totally separate, you know, entities. And, and um, so uh, I feel like we, we moved on from what happened before and, and we've had a chance to play two games and, and now we've we've been confronted um, with this situation. And again, as grown men, we all have to respond in a certain way. We're all forging our identity um, in life and uh, certainly in the locker room through how uh, we face adversity and how we deal with adversity. That's kind of how, how life goes. So I think they understand that. We've had conversations about that. And uh, for us as coaches and players, it's always good to get on the grass and grind through a, a Wednesday's practice in full pads, and um, now I'm here answering questions. You made a life and a living out of game planning, preparing for lots of variables. But this is as unpredictable as adversity gets. Uh, how helpless is that as a leader? You know, there's no blueprint for this. There's no, there's no handbook that they give you for the obstacles that you occur. Um, whether you're a, a parent, whether you're a teacher, whether you're, you know, my dad drove a truck. So there, there's no blueprint for these things. And um, I just think we all lean on each other in there. There's a lot of other coaches that we have on staff that have a lot of experiences. We have players that have gone through other things. So I think we've done a good job of communicating with each other. Um, and, uh, you know, we've we've tried to give the best resources that we have to our players uh, within Montel and Miss Jean and people at, um, and their department and then certainly what we've done um, as coaches. So um, again, we'll see how we respond to, to the situation we're in. On the back end of that, uh, even despite the tragic incident, uh, how much of this can you turn this around also like for you as a coach, but also the leaders in the locker room, how much will this be able to stress accountability against uh, amongst each other to really just hold each other accountable and make each other the best players possible on and off the field? Well, you know, we are in, involved in, in man building around here, and we do coach the, the man first and the player second. And, again, we, we've talked about these things um, before they've happened, um, uh, you know, at length. I'm sure every team does. But, um, again, put himself in a bad situation, made a choice that has certainly altered his life, and, and that, that's really where we're at. So I think they all know that. I think they've seen that. Um, but we've seen it before, and obviously it it caught up to us now. So uh, I don't really know if I answered that, but it's kind of where I'm at. And welcome to Coach's Corner on the Highway Radio Network, 94.9, 96.9 FM, The Drive. I'm your host, Coach Yumbola, and that was Coach Rich Bisaccia, head coach of the Raiders, 
talking about the Henry Ruggs situation. Uh, we all know about the tragic accident that he had, and he was questioned at his uh, Wednesday press conference about how the team was handling that. So uh, that was courtesy of the Raiders Network. And now we're going to bring you the second part of the interview uh, about Coach Passaccia getting the team ready to play the New York Giants in the Meadowlands this coming Sunday. Uh, early game for the Raiders, and we'll see what happens there. So here's Coach Rich Passaccia talking about getting ready for the game with the Giants. Rich, with all due respect to the tragedy, setting that aside and getting to football for a second, for you, you get to go home to the team that your dad loved growing up. And can you just speak to the emotions of that? I mean, what a journey for you to be able to go back there to the team your dad loved. Yeah. Against them. Yeah, I think I made a comment that first press deal. My dad was the head coach of the Giants. He just never told anybody, and I don't think anybody got that. I think they were Googling and seeing my, my dad was the head coach of the Giants. So, um, fortunately for me, I've... I've played against them a lot now. You know, when we were in Dallas, we obviously played up there every year. And when I was in Tampa, I had a chance to play up there. So um, for, for me, again, it's it's always exciting to go to go um, certainly home. But for us, it's a it's a huge challenge, right? Coming off a bye, everyone's written about our record. Coming off a bye has been very good um, here as of late. And, um, you know, we're going to leave on a Friday. And we're going to go up there and play a, a, a big, physical, well-coached football team. So that's really more of the challenge for me than, than I'm actually going home. After releasing Willie Sneed and Henry Ruggs, you guys only have, I think, three receivers on the roster right now. Have you considered either making a practice file promotion or adding somebody from the We have. We've had conversations, and, and we have um, we have Stoner and, and Wims, and, and um, there's, there's conversation about others as well. But uh, we're going to probably stay status quo this week, and we know we have a chance to, to possibly move Stoner up. And then we have Wims that's done a good job. We'll, we'll see how that turns out before the end of today is over. But it would be those two. Coach, earlier today, uh, Joe Judge was kind of speaking about the relationship that you guys have and said some things about you. Uh, what kind of, what would you say is uh, some things you admire about Coach Judge going to the Yeah, game? I mean, I know a lot about Joe. You know, I know his, his trip to, to Mississippi State and through Alabama and the coaches he's had a chance to be around. And then special teams coaches in the league, you know, we, we kind of have a, um, you know, maybe a special bond or certainly a, um, a connection because we go through the same the same obstacles. So uh, the only thing I'd, I'd say about Joe is, um, he, he's, he's a tough guy, and he, he comes from detailed coaches, which makes him an extremely detailed um, head football coach. You can see it on film. They do a lot of things in the kicking game. They're well coached on, on defense. And then certainly I know a lot about, you know, Jason um, being with him for five years. So uh, my relationship with Joe goes back a long time. We have a lot of the same um, mentors that we, we've been around before. So, uh, again, I appreciate all his kind words. And whatever he said about me, if it was good, I uh, just take him and rewrite him about him if you could. That would help me. Have we got a chance to talk to Henry? No, no, actually, no, we have not. Um, I don't even think anything happened until 9 o'clock this morning, so we weren't allowed to or didn't have a chance to speak with him at all yesterday. If you could speak to him, what would you say? Yeah, I'll just leave that to when that happens. When you gathered the team either last night, I guess it was virtually, or, or today, around what was, what was the mood and how much of this week is managing them kind of – you know, coming to grips with everything, but also getting ready for a game, and, and how do you kind of balance that? Yeah, well, the first time we uh, we actually got our team together um, yesterday, late afternoon at four o'clock, we had a Zoom with the whole team. I just we thought it was important that we get on uh, Zoom so they could kind of see our faces, uh, see my face, and we, we tried to deliver a message. And at that particular point, what we wanted to do, there was so much misinformation out there. We were getting so many different stories. 
um, that what we wanted to do was give them the facts that we had at that particular time. So if you go back to 4 o'clock in the afternoon, um, that's what we did to give them some sense of what's going on, here's what I'm hearing. You know, a lot of players were texting and um, coming by the office and those things. So we, that's what we accomplished. And then certainly what transpired last night went into the release of Henry. And then this morning's uh, team meeting, um, we addressed kind of what happened last night. We addressed some of the new information that had come out, which we thought would all come out at 9 o'clock this morning, um, which I think has. So they got a chance to see that. And we, then we just talked about um, what our charge is going forward, individually and then collectively, how we can put it together for a, a grinded competitive practice on a Wednesday and what it will look like in the meeting after practice and then what it's going to look like when you go home, what does it look like when we come back in the morning. So we're just trying to stay for the most part. You know, we were, we're trying to be where we are and um, move through this, this uh, uh, as slowly as we possibly can and, and as communicative with um, some clear or clarity as to what we're expecting of each other as we keep moving forward. Some of your players have- if money was no object and you and a friend could get away to a beautiful nearby resort for a 24-hour stay that includes a world-class spa treatment, would you do it? Now, what if I tell you $99 is all you need for that same scenario and the resort is the fabulous Casablanca in beautiful Mesquite, Nevada? You'll be rejuvenated inside their spa and salon with a Swedish massage, European facial, or pumpkin pedicure of your choice. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Casablanca Resort's $99 room and spa getaway. You can get away from your stress and start to refresh in less than an hour's drive. And when you come, enjoy our delicious dining, nightly entertainment, championship golf courses, and famous weekend brunch buffet. Book your $99 room and spa getaway today at mesquitegaming.com or call 877-GETAWAY. Must be 21 years or older. Casablanca Resort in Mesquite. It's just like Vegas used to be. And welcome back to Coach's Corner on the Highway Radio Network, 94.9, 96.9. And we've got Greg Olson and Gus Bradley uh, talking about getting ready for the Giants. So we're going to start off with Gus Bradley, and then we'll bring you Greg Olson. This is a courtesy of the Raiders Network. Yeah, I'll open up for questions. It's been a couple of days now. I haven't seen guys well, you, you're right. I mean, especially yesterday, I think everybody was trying to figure some things out. There's a lot of information, and and uh, but I, I thought towards the end of the day, you know, it picked up a little bit. And then today was much better practice. You know, much better practice, guys. You know, everybody has their own ways of dealing with things like that. It's, I mean, heartbreaking again. You know, for all the people involved. And um, I thought Rich did a great job addressing it yesterday, and you know, a lot of those things that took place there. I think you have that information from him. Everybody has real lives. I mean, real lives always going to be a part of a player's life and everything else. But like in the case like this, how much do you just say, "Hey, we're here for football," and how much do you balance like, "Hey, let's take care of what's going on out there." Looking so right. Out. Well, obviously, I mean, it's something that you talk to them about, and they talk to each other about. And I think it forces you to pause and just think decisions you make. You know. I, I, I really feel like our team, well, I'm speaking on the defense, has really handled this very, very professionally. 
you know, and in our minds, a professional is, you know, a man who can get the job done or a woman who can get the job done no matter how he feels inside. And I think that's what's really been challenged. But, uh, you know, I think our guys have done a really good job with that. I, I really sensed it today, really sensed that part of it today. I mean, it's very focused, very, you know, work-orientated practice today and uh, a good, effective practice. Obviously, you know defensive coordinator, assistant coach, you see many different players, personalities. The wave of emotions over the last three and a half weeks from anger to sadness to confusion to now, you know, have you ever seen anything like this before? And and how do you lend your experience as a coach to be there for each and every player on the roster, offense or defense? Right. Well, I think they, you know, I, I said it before that players are very, very resilient. Is what I've learned, and I think this situation is no different. They each have their own way of handling it. Some will come in and talk to their position coaches and coaches, and you know their teammates, and then they kind of go through that period of time. And uh, I, I think it's just how quick, you know, how long is that period of going through all those different emotions? You know, how long does that take? And I think they needed a day just to kind of go through that. But how they quickly recovered and kind of, all right, let's go. I mean, that professional word came back into it, and I've heard some of them talk about it that way. So they each help each other. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think there, there is some, there's some very hard, strong feelings about what took place. And, uh, you know, they're dealing with it the best they can. But it's not a, a situation where I look at our team and I go, whoa, we've got some work to do to help pull everybody out of this. I think they're helping each other do that. I think it was showed up today in practice. Gus, when you look at their organization, they expect Kadarius Tony to play. I'm curious what you see from him on team. Uh, uh, he's a guy that we really have great awareness, really have to have really good awareness. I mean, he's a guy that space tackling is a very important part of our game plan. Uh, really good awareness where he is. He can take a five-yard catch and turn it into an explosive play. So he's uh, very, very explosive, and I'm sure they're going to try to find different ways of getting the ball in his hands. Uh, he's also a really good thrower, you know, can throw the ball. So he, we just have to have really good awareness where he's at. You, you don't have to tell us any specifics, but what sort of conversations are had to where you can have an open dialogue with your players to say, if you're ever in a certain situation, someone, the guy next to you is just a phone call away for help? Yeah, I, I think, you know, Rich... Coach Versace did a, a really good job addressing the whole team on that, it, even last week, to be honest with you. And that's why it's even more unfortunate. It was brought up and talked about, and, and then a situation like this occurs. But I think that's brought some thought to everybody on it. I think you pause and you think about the people involved, I mean, unfortunate death, and then, you know, Henry. And then I think you pause and also, boy, there's lessons for us to teach our kids and our family. and. and that's the string of emotions I think that you need a little bit of time just to go through, but uh, you know, and then and then you know that we have a job to do, and that's what I you know I really excited about the team on that aspect because it is tough to come back, but they they've shown their resiliency, they've shown their focus and how quickly they can recover. Uh, it's it's not gone. It, it is not gone. The feeling, but um, how they've addressed it, how their focus is in meetings and game uh, on the practice field has been been really good. You talked about Canaries, Tony, but perhaps more than any other team, their skill guys have been different almost every week. They've had guys in and out of the lineup all year. Um, how difficult is it to prepare for a team where, like, we think we know who might play, but you're not exactly right. sure which guys are going to be. You're right. Because, I mean, you go through everybody, you know, and you talk about their skill set and 
hey, we don't know who we're going to see, but let's just make sure we cover everybody and have a good understanding. So we try to take parts of the day and talk about the personnel, especially earlier in the week, and then, you know, we go from there. And then it kind of switches to more it's about us, you know, and how we do things. So, you know, we, we've addressed it and say, hey, you got to be ready for anybody, you know, can show up. But uh, it's the NFL, we know that we're going to see real good players as, as they have shown. Have you found yourself this year uh, grateful for your head coaching experience and how to handle things? Um, I think you're grateful for all the experiences you had. I've never sat down and thought about that part of it. But um, I think you pause and say, you know, uh, you know, what can we do to, uh, you know, show strength to those in need? And I think it's that base prim- premise, you know. We've talked in our meeting room about hold people in high regard, give strength to those in need. Well, this is a time to give strength to those in need. And I think that's maybe part of what I've learned being a head coach. Coach, with all, everybody in the NFL is good no matter who you face, but with the amount of injuries they do have to their offense, is this something that you've had to preach to your guys to be more laser-focused and not to like lay up on these guys with injuries? Well, they had injuries in the Carolina week, and they won 25-3. to You know, so it's the NFL. I think that they do a really good job offensively. I mean, this is the first time I really had a chance to study the Giants in depth over the last two years since the new staff has been there and to see them and uh, some of the things they're doing with the quarterback and with their team, they are definitely trying to utilize the skill set of everybody and trying to get everybody involved. So that's in the run game and the pass game, uh, multiple different things. It's not just a drop back team. I mean, they use movement passes. They use RPOs. Uh, and they're, they're doing a lot of different things that puts a lot of strain on the defense. You had a lot of guys that were nicked up, some healing, some just recently. How much of a blessing was the bye week just to get all your guys healthy? It's been good. I think that when you come off a bye week, you know, to get them back into it, I give credit to our strength staff. I mean, sometimes you come back after, you know, some periods of time off. You come back and you're a little bit cautious about that first day of practice. You see some hamstring injuries or, you know, muscle tissues just because it's been some time since they've really practiced as a team. But we, we're pretty healthy now with the guys that we have, you know, that could possibly be part of the 53. As you mentioned, uh, you know, the different things they've done back there on offense and specifically at quarterback. What have you seen out of Daniel Jones in terms of his ability to I, I really like him now. Uh, I think that you can see on tape that he's getting better and better. Uh, you know, the decision-making, I know that the turnovers are issues that, you know, happen with all teams, and everybody wants to alleviate that part of it. But the decision-making, the poise that he plays with, he's a threat to run. And, you know, part of the bye week we studied, you know, some of the things that we need to get better at. Uh, Our explosive runs were high at the beginning of the season. They've calmed down some. But uh, some of the, the explosive runs have been by quarterback scrambling and quarterback runs. And he's no different. Here we have another task where a guy's got over 200 yards rushing. So you put all that, he's definitely a threat that we have to understand and affect some of the things we do coverage-wise. I know you, you said you just kind of cover everybody, that you prepare to do that, but Saquon does add such a different dynamic if he was able to play, especially in the passing game. He does. Uh, it is. Uh, even his running style in, in some of the run plays. So, you know, he's, a, he's more of a jump-cut runner. Uh, he can go downhill, but he can attack the edges real fast. So, you know, that's the types of tape we show him, you know, his ability. And then he's always a threat as a receiver. You know, some of the different things teams do with, you know, him out of the backfield or what we've seen, how teams try to attack us. 
you know, we try to bring awareness to that with our players that, you know, how effective he is. He's a guy that will line up and empty, and it's, you know, not just a hitch out there. You know, they do different things with him. So awareness of him as an athlete and as a player, is a lot of good, great respect for him in our room. I'd just like to start by saying, you know, the entire Raiders organization's thoughts and prayers are with the family of Tina Tintor are deeply saddened by this tragedy, and it's affected a, a number of people. Life been taken and we can't get it back. And just uh, one of our thoughts are with her family. I'll start with questions. Greg, what um, have these last couple of days been for you uh, personally? I mean, you know, these guys are players, but they're also human beings, and you got you know, a relationship with them. So, yeah, diff obviously a difficult week. Um, and I think the older you get in life, the more you learn how to compartmentalize things. Uh, and certainly in the coaching profession, you have to learn to compartmentalize and uh, understand that there's still a, you know, a game to be played on Sunday. So uh, that's a big part of this week is, uh, you know, learning how to, you know, uh, there's a lot of grieving going on. Now, players, coaches, everybody involved. So um, again, the b biggest thing we'd say is that they're a resilient. They're a resilient group of players. Uh, I've always talked about a strong character group of guys uh, that I've had a chance to work with the offensive side of the ball. And uh, as hard as it was, uh, they managed to, to get a good two days of work in. You have a lot of young players on this team that maybe not have had as much time to go through some of those life experiences. How uh, helpful has it been having you, know, you all as coaches and some of the veterans on the roster to lean on for them? I think that's part of it. You know, uh, those of us in the room, you know, those of us that are parents have children of our own and, and have, you know, dealt with experience or dealt with tragedy. Uh, you know, I mentioned in, with our group yesterday that uh, some of us are lucky enough not to have been through a lot of tragedy in our lives, but those that have, it hardens you again, and uh, you learn how to how to deal with it. So, uh, you know, we've had we've offered counseling, obviously, to those players, uh, to all of our players, uh, but they, you know, they I think everyone manages it and deals with grief in their own way. But it, again, from what I witnessed this week, it was a as difficult it was. It was a good. Uh, week of work. Great. Uh, Judge said that with what they're going through back there, they have, it's, it's sort of preparing for the unknown. Your team sort of did that last year. There was one week where you didn't know how much of the offensive line was going to be here. Um, is it is it the same on this side, though, when you're facing a team that you don't know who they're going to have, that you're, you're prepared for the unknown, or is it maybe easier because you just keep going, stick to your game plan and not worry about what, who they're going to have available? You know, I think we keep going. Uh, last week, for instance, we, you know, Darren Waller, we went up through Friday's practice or two weeks ago before we played uh, Philly. You know, we went with Darren Waller on Friday's practice. He, he'd gotten a, a nicked in practice. But initial reports from the training room were that he was going to be able to play, and we didn't know until Sunday right before kickoff uh, when we went and worked him out that he wasn't able to play. So there was a quick meeting between myself and Edgar Bennett and uh, Austin King and, and Johnny Morton, where we had to, again, at that point, move a lot of the personnel groupings around. Edgar had to have an emergency meeting with the wide receivers now because Hunter Renfro became a part of the package that Darren Waller was a part of. So um, I think they learned to they learned to kind of go on the fly. Again, we've got an extremely intelligent group of skilled players, uh, and that helps. Obviously, when you start changing personnel groups, especially late in the week like we've done, so. Uh, I think, you know, sometimes the unknown is good for our guys. They've got, a, a, again, a, a large library of plays to choose from, and they know uh, 
kind of the reason behind the plays in terms of the coverages and, and blitzes that we're trying to attack. I think they understanding the intent of the play is important, and I think all those position groups understand the intent of what we're trying to do. Piggyback on becoming a part of a package with the receiver situation, how does Zay Jones fit in as far as maybe expanding that playbook and, and maybe emerging just a bigger role. Yeah, we always talk about opportunity, and they, it comes in a lot of different forms, and this is a, uh, an opportunity for Zay, not the opportunity he was looking for, but uh, we've always felt real strong about Zay Jones and his abilities as a receiver and abilities as, as to play the Z position. Uh, and he's had a very good week of practice, but he's had he's had good weeks of practice, uh, you know, in the past. So if you were to talk to not only just Derek, but the rest of the, the players uh, on offense, I'm talking every position, O-line, tight ends, running backs, quarterbacks. Uh, they've got all the confidence in the world in Zay, and we do as well as the staff. So, uh, you know, we're, we're very, very thankful to have him, and, and we're eager to see what he, what he can do. As a coach, when it comes to the compartmentalization, do you find yourself really challenged not to be angry or disappointed from the big picture in what you're doing just in the simple tasks with your guys? Yeah, again, I, again, I think it goes back to being able to compartmentalize, and there is a time again, uh, like we said, a life was lost, and a family's families, it's a tragedy for a number of families. But um, again, the Tenor family, uh, it just can't fathom that. But I also know that you know Henry Ruggs is not a monster. Henry Ruggs is a good, good person that you know had made a succession of poor decisions that led to a horrific result. But um, a very popular player here. Uh, you that again, the guilt that you feel uh, in the building. I think we we'd be talking out of both sides of your mouth. We like to talk about this being a family. We're a family atmosphere here with this team, and uh, your guilt of not knowing, uh, not knowing what maybe was going on when Henry left the building, or not being there to have somebody, somebody be the adult in the situation and stop those series of decisions from happening. And that's the guilt that you feel, you know, as a coach and as a teammate. Uh, but, you know, again, that, that we got to play on Sunday and, and the players got to be ready to go and we got to be ready to coach. So, uh, again, you just find a way to compartmentalize it. Greg reported earlier today that uh, Dylan Stoner get, get promoted to the active roster. Uh, what, what have you seen from him since you know, breaking into camp, spending you know, throughout training camp, and what he's worked with on the, on the practice squad? Who's that? Uh, Dylan Stoner. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've, we've liked Dylan Stoner from the minute that we uh, signed him, so, and we evaluated him. Again, we, we sometimes we talk about as a coaching staff, this is the guy that the scouts brought to us, and he is who they said he was. So uh, we're excited we were excited to, to keep him on our team and to not lose him, to be honest with you. Uh, so he's, he's had a good week this week, uh, but he's looked good on the practice squad uh, leading up to this uh, elevation. So... Uh, you know, it's it's an opportunity. Again, it's an opportunity for Dylan Stoner. Uh, he's put in a lot of hard work, and he's had a good week. Right. The Giants' defense is very talented, but their their Achilles' heel has been mental mistakes, errors on their part. Patrick Graham seems to have corrected that. Do you notice that on tape? Uh, you know, it's good. They're a good football team. We've noticed that. Obviously, they're a good football team. So we'll have our you know we'll have our hands full uh, on the road, an East Coast trip. Uh, for us, it'd be a, a again um, a good crowd. Uh, weather hopefully won't play a, a part in this, but they, we you don't have to 
you know, you turn the tape on and realize this is a good football team, and, and we need to be ready, obviously. Uh, but would I say have we seen a lot of mental mistakes on their end? No, we just see a good football team. Psst, Bob, quick, the neighbors. There they go again. Jeez, it's like clockwork. Every weekend, he grabs his clubs, she grabs a duffel, and they're gone for the night. And when they come back, they look so relaxed and happy. Where do you think they go? Well, they're not rich, so it must be affordable. Maybe some kind of marriage retreat? Oh, right, with golf clubs? And she looks so refreshed. We could use some of whatever it is. Go ask them when they get back. Well, they're back, and you won't believe it. Surprise me. They've been going to Casablanca Resort in Mesquite on that $99 room and golf getaway. Sometimes they go for the $99 room and spa getaway. They love it. Hey. We could afford 99 bucks, and it's only a little more than an hour's drive. Let's treat ourselves. Book your $99 room and golf or spa getaway today at mesquitegaming.com or call 877-GETAWAY. Casablanca Resort in Mesquite, just like Vegas used to be. Must be 21 years or older. And welcome back to Coach's Corner on the Highway Radio Network. And some good news. The Vegas Golden Knights were able to acquire Jack Eichel, a quality center who is injured and is going to have to have some uh, neck surgery that's never been done on an athlete in hockey. So here is Kelly McCrimmon with uh, the acquisition of Jack Eichel. Uh, the members of the media, the Vegas Golden Knights, are uh, pleased and excited today to announce the acquisition of Jack Eichel from the Buffalo Sabres in return. Uh, for Jack, we have traded Alex Tuck, uh, Peyton Krebs, a first-round draft choice in 2022, which is top 10 protected, and then a second-round draft choice in 2023 in return for their third round draft choice in 2023. So a rotation of picks in the 2023 draft. With uh, Alex Tuck, he's a, a member of our original team, player that we acquired from Minnesota uh, in expansion. He's uh, gone from being a good young prospect to a tremendous uh, young player in our organization. He's a quality person. Wish him nothing but the best, thank him for uh, his time uh, in our organization. He was a really uh, exciting player that, uh, you know, being uh, from New York, I think will uh, do great things for the Sabres organization. In Peyton Krebs, a uh, quality young man, uh, a high draft pick of our, uh, of our team, and a player that had made the NHL uh, right out of camp. I think he's going to have a long career as a real uh, productive forward. He's a player that uh, coaches love, whether it's his coaches in junior, his coaches in Canada's national junior team. Uh, last year, his time that he spent uh, in the American Hockey League with our team in Henderson, and uh, and then this year with uh, with our NHL team under uh, Pete DeBoer. So uh, again, with Pete, we wish him uh, a great career. I, uh, I hope that he does really, really well. And Jack Eichel, we are getting uh, a player that I think is one of the top players in the league, one of the top centers in the league. He's in the prime of his career as a player who's just turned 25 
uh, years old. It addresses uh, a need in our organization. It, it uh, you know, for me, when you look at what uh, an NHL contending team should look like, he's a really important piece uh, of that. I know when we brought in Alex Petrangelo, one of the, or part of the motivation behind that addition was a Stanley Cup champion needs a defenseman like that. And we feel the same way about an elite center. And Jack, uh, Jack gives us that. Uh, the price was high uh, for him, obviously, in the terms of what uh, we have sent to Buffalo. But at the same time, for a player of, uh, of this ilk, it should be high. Uh, with that, I would open it up uh, to questions. I guess I could probably uh, take a guess at the first couple of questions and just, uh, just mention, you may have heard, uh, uh, that he has a neck injury. Uh, uh, Jack and his team have been uh, working diligently to sort out uh, what their next steps are with respect to surgery. He will have surgery. He will have uh, the ADR, which is artificial disc replacement. It's uh, unique in, uh, in relation to, uh, to uh, NHL players. It's not necessarily that unique in terms of society, but there's uh, never been an NHL player have uh, this type of surgery. Um, we have a lot of respect for the work that's gone into this uh, from uh, his agent, his second opinion doctors, the specialists and experts that he's seen uh, in this field will uh, will defer to, uh, to their wishes and respect uh, the choices that they make based on uh, knowing how much work they've done to put themselves, uh, to prepare themselves for surgery and obviously uh, they're acting in what they believe is the best interests of Jack's uh, health, not only in the short term, but the long term. And uh, we completely uh, understand and respect that. So obviously that's going to be a question that would have uh, been asked first. So maybe with, uh, with that, I'll open it up uh, to questions. Hi, Jesse. I can hear Jesse, but I don't think that mic is working. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the, the NHL is a always evolving league. There's situations with respect to players' contracts that uh, might make them available. There's situations with salary cap that might make players available. There's situations with the wishes of players. I think you see now uh, a lot of star players are. Um, you know, looking at shorter deals to maintain a little more flexibility or control on their future. So there are different situations that uh, present themselves, and uh, we're not always interested in every uh, every situation that uh, that comes forward. There are certain players that uh, we have aggressively, uh, you know, gone after and tried to bring into our organization. Uh, Jack is one of those, and you know, the, the age of the player. He's he's uh, 25 years old. When you look at, uh, you know, the National Hockey League, uh, I guess as a whole, uh, who those top centers are, when you look at the Western Conference and you've got, you know, a Connor McDavid, you've got a Nathan McKinnon, you've got an Anzi Kopitar, you go to the East, you've got, you know, your Barkovs, your Barzells, Crosbys, Malkins, uh, I'm sure I'm, uh, I'm missing uh, a few, but you've got that elite layer uh, of player uh, that uh, I think Jack uh, comfortably uh, slots into and because of that and, and again 
uh, you know, based on what I would say, um, you know, that we've identified as a need, if we could address it uh, this way, we uh, we felt that we would not be uh, doing our organization justice to uh, uh, to fail to pursue it. So uh, that's uh, that's the approach that we took. That doesn't mean that you're going to be able to complete a trade. There's lots of teams, and uh, our own included, where you have discussions with teams, and there's not. Uh, there's not a finish line in sight, or a fit, or uh, or a price that teams are comfortable with uh, either giving or receiving. So, um, you know, when Jack Eichel was available, when it was apparent that he uh, may be moved, I guess what we knew to start with is we were interested, and from there, uh, that brings us uh, to today. Yeah, that's a good question, Kyle. And, and there's some unknowns, and uh, you know, we we've been uh, you know more of an observer to that process than a participant. First of all, he wasn't our player, so uh, we don't have the you know the right or the ability to weigh in with uh, with our opinions. You know, what's been, what's been done at our end is our medical people are uh, abreast of what. They have been doing. When I say his team, I refer to uh, uh, his representation with uh, with CAA Pat Brisson, and uh, you know, and I've been aware of what's uh, been going on through my discussions with uh, with both Buffalo and uh, his representatives. And uh, you know, as I as I touched on, um, we're respectful of what they want to do. Uh, you know, why why wouldn't his people want what's best for him? So. Uh, none of us in this room have the level of expertise that would be required for uh, for an opinion. Uh, I, uh, you know, I defer to the people that he's entrusted uh, uh, himself and his health to uh, to make uh, to make that decision, and will you know obviously uh, have a hand in uh, next steps, uh, rehabilitation, return to play, you know, all those types of things. But uh, the decision of the surgery. Is one that we respectfully defer to uh, to Jack and uh, his representatives. Well, um, it's really challenging to give you a time frame because it's never been done in this sport. Um, I'm told that Jack has been able to be uh, quite active in terms of training uh, while he's injured, uh, even being on the ice. It's contact that he would not be uh, cleared to, uh, you know, uh, endure. I, I, I keep thinking four to five months, uh, three to four months, but but I uh, I say that because I, I, I see you all grab your pens and write it down. We, we don't know. We, we really don't know, and, I, and I'm not trying to suggest that we do know, but uh, you know, that might be the best guess I can give you right now. And, uh, in 1925, Modelo began brewing beer for those who believe in better. A model beer, steeped in the tradition of tireless effort. A rich, Pilsner-style lager for those who wear their heart and heritage on their rolled-up sleeve. 
Since our first batch to every bottle raised today, we've proved that it doesn't matter where you come from. It matters what you're made of. Modelo Especial, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. And welcome back to Coach's Corner on the Highway Radio Network. 94.9, 96.9 FM, The Drive. And we are an affiliate radio station of the Vegas Golden Knights. So, if you're traveling tomorrow or Sunday during the game time, and it's an early game for us out here on the West Coast, you can pick up the game on the Highway Radio Network. So, two things this week. One very, very bad. One potentially very, very good. You had the Henry Ruggs III traffic accident that ended up costing a young lady and her dog their lives. And Henry Ruggs's career probably is over. Um, it's sad to say that this situation, you know, and you heard Gus Bradley and uh, Greg Olson and Coach Bisaccia talk about that. You know, a lot of decisions went into it, and it just it just did not turn out good. Uh, we feel for the family uh, of the young lady who died. Uh, we also feel for Henry Ruggs. And I think one of the things that's very impressive, although he may not be a Raider on the roster, he is still a Raider and a Raider for life. And everybody in the Raiders organization that has spoken about it said they are communicating with him, they're here for him, they're talking to him, and they want to help him. Um, nobody can bring back the life that was lost. It's a tragic, tragic situation. But, again, we learn from our mistakes. And as I w- would tell my players, you know, when I make a mistake, learn from my mistakes so you don't make the same mistake. Um, it's just silly what happened. Uh, you know, speeding down a road at 3.49 in the morning. You know, as we jokingly say as coaches, nothing good ha- happens after midnight when players are out. Um, and it was just, again, a, a tragic, tragic situation uh, for, for everybody involved, especially the family of, of, the, of Tina and also Henry Ruggs and the players on the Raiders team. So it's a devastating loss, and I hope that everybody just lets it play out, and we'll see what happens with the legal situation as far as um, him being charged and what's going to happen with that. Um, he hired the, probably the best attorneys in town, David Chesnoff, who I personally know. Um, David Chesnoff is very, very good, but again... Uh, when someone loses their life, especially in the tragic way that it happened, and the violence of that accident, uh, it's not a good situation. So our, our thoughts go out to the family. Our thoughts are with uh, Henry Ruggs. Our thoughts are with the Raiders. And we'll see if they can bounce back from this on Sunday. And it will be the early game on Sunday versus the Giants. Now, the good news is, the Las Vegas Raiders, who are really beaten up 
if you look at their roster, they had seven players on the injured list. Um, some of them were put on the IR, and because they were on the injured reserve list, that takes their money out of the out of the um, salaries. That's how they were able to get Jack Eichel. Now Jack Eichel is also on the IR currently right now, but you're looking at a ten million dollar a year salary for him. He needs to go undergo neck surgery, experimental neck surgery, and as you heard Kelly McCrimmon say. It's really not experimental for the average person, but for a hockey player it is. We wish him the best. We wish the Vegas Golden Knights the best. Uh, but they've got a lot of injuries that they're trying to overcome right now. They are currently 5-5. Five and five And have the Montreal Canadiens left to play on their road trip here. So Vegas Golden Knights picking up a big acquisition with Jack Eichel, big time center but at a cost of $10 million. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this salary cap and all these players. Someone's going to have to go at some point. You're listening to Coach's Corner on the Highway Radio Network, brought to you by the Casablanca Hotel and Casino in Mesquite, Nevada.